0: How many times in our lives have we asked ourselves this question? Why me? You know, we may face adversity in our lives. We may go through hard times. But, and when that comes, how many times do we look at our lives and be like, Why me? Why, why is this happening to me? Why do the bad things always happen to me? Why am I the one that always struggles with things? Why do these things always pop up? in our lives. And it can get us down. It can get us to really question our faith, where our relationship with God. It can get us to question how much God really loves us, how much he cares for us. But the thing that we need to remember is that God has put us in these situations, has put us in these faces of adversity for reasons. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at different stories in the Bible that are going to show us and hopefully uplift you, hopefully strengthen you, for when we face these times in our lives, when we have these questions in our lives of, why me? Why am I going through this? That we'll know why, that we'll be ill-equipped for that. Now, these stories, they're going to pertain to some of you, and some of you, you may have passed through this stage in life, and some of you may have not reached this stage in life. But I hope that as we read these, that they will offer encouragement as they did to me in studying these things. Our first passage we're going to read is Genesis, the 22nd chapter, beginning in verse 1. And this we're going to pick up on the story of Abraham. Now, if we remember with Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, all they wanted in their life was a son. A simple request, that's all they ever wanted was, was just one child. And, they, and it took forever for that blessing to be bestowed upon them. God continually told Abraham, You will receive a son. You will have one. And you know, Abraham had to be thinking, Is it ever going to happen? Is this ever going to occur? As we remember, Abraham and Sarah were elderly people at that time. So you know, Abraham, at this point in the story, has already got to be asking the question, Why me? Why am I having a hard time with this simple request? But we pick up in Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And after Isaac had been born, after they had been blessed with a son, it says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and send to him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mounds which I tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now let's stop and think about this. Finally, after all this, Abraham is given that great blessing. He's given that promise of a son, and now God is asking him to go sacrifice him. You know, Abraham's got to be sitting there thinking, Why? Why me? Why am I going through all this? God tells me I'm blessed. God tells me that I am to be have a great nation after me, and I finally get a son. And now all of a sudden, he's changing his mind on this. But notice what Abraham did. He rose up early in the morning and went. There are going to be times in our lives where we're commanded of things to do, and they're hard. There are hard things that we're commanded to do in the Bible. We don't want to do them. We the soul fights against the spirit. But as Christians, we know what our responsibility is. We know what we must do. We have to make those hard decisions. Skipping ahead now, and it says that in verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for behold, thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, in blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of heaven as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. So we see here that as Abraham is about to kill Isaac, about to sacrifice Isaac to God, God stays his hand and says, Abraham, don't do it. He said, It was to see if you were worthy. It was to see if you were going to be worthy for my nation of people, for the Jewish people to come from you. And Abraham passed the test. He passed what God was testing him with. God wanted to make sure that Abraham was blessed enough and was a good enough man to have a nation come after him, to be the father of God's chosen people. I think sometimes in our life we sit and we think, you know, our decisions and our actions, our daily lives, we get into the monotony of them. And I think we sit there and think, what does it really matter? What does it matter what my decisions or my actions take? But you know, people are watching us more than than we realize. People are watching our actions. As Christians, as we profess Christ, people are watching what we do. You know, I'll never forget I was at work one day. Um, I work at a gym and member came in, and I just, he asked me how it was, and I said, I'm blessed. You know, just a simple thing. I'd said that to about 10 people earlier that day, and he walked on his way, but he ended up coming back over, and he said, he said, you said you're blessed, right? And I said, yes, and he, says, he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, I said, because I'm a Christian. I profess God. I live a godly life. I mean, God has blessed me above, above my means, and you know, honestly, a, a religious talk, a Christian talk spurred from that. We got to talk about the Bible, me and that that young man. So that's why I say is just our words, our actions, may influence people in ways we don't know. In Romans the fifth chapter, beginning verse three it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. So when we're going through tough times, when we're going through hard things, do we sit there and think, man, oh boy, am I so glad I'm going through this? Am I so glad I'm going through this hard time? I'm so glad that my car doesn't run? I've got a head cold? I mean, it's, it's such a great time. But notice what it says in verse 4. It says, in patience, experience, and experience hope. That's what we get. If we make it through tribulations of life, if we stick by God and what he says, we will grow in these things. Because think about it. When we're going through hard times, what's it going to increase? Our patience. Our patience is going to increase. I'll tell you right now, I have about the least most patience of anybody you've ever met. I struggle with patience. As a kid, I just have been a very impatient person. And the more we go through things in life and the more that we struggle with, our patience is going to increase. I'll tell you a personal story. When I was nine years old, I I came down with a serious stomach condition. I was very malnourished for about five, six years of my life. I couldn't eat. I was very skinny. I wasn't a very active person. Couldn't get outside and play sports. And that was hard for me. I struggled with that immensely. I can't tell you how many times in my life, those five and six years, I asked, why me? Why am I struggling with this? Why is it that someone can go out and play a sport, go out and play football, but I have to stay inside? i'm too sick to do it and my patience was tested but i'll tell you one thing making it through that my patience did increase it increased immensely from that and that's what when we go through things that's where we need to look our patience is going to increase our experience in things when we go through tough times in our lives when we struggle with things we have an experience of how to deal with them That's why I look at the young members of the congregation. If you're going through a hard time in your life, if you're struggling with something, lean on the older members of the congregation. Lean on your parents. Because they've gone through similar things in their life. They've gone through similar struggles. And older members of the congregation use that experience to teach and to minister to those who may be asking the questions, Why me? Why am I going through this hard time? And hope. We have a hope that things will get better. We have a hope that Jesus will return. So those things will increase when we go through hard times in our life. Genesis the twenty nine chapter, beginning verse ten. This is the story of Jacob, and this happens after Jacob flees from Esau from because he took his birthright. It says, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was his father's brother and he, that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father, and it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. So we see here that the moment Jacob sees Rachel, he's just smitten with her. It's a love at first sight thing. He's like, this is the woman I'm going to marry. He said it's even better. I know her father Laban, which would have been um, his uncle. So we see here that it's just love at first sight. Now we're going to skip ahead a little bit, but basically what they work out is Laban telling, he's like, okay, you can marry Rachel after seven years of labor for me. If you work seven years for me, you can have Rachel as your wife. And Jacob agrees to this deal. And if you think about it, seven years is a long time. It's a, that's quite a thing to undertake. We turn to now to Genesis, the 29th chapter, and pick up in verse 21. And it says, And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. So we see here that Jacob's like, I have worked my seven years. I've done what I was told. So it's, it's time for Laban, for you uphold your part of the bargain. And so Laban said, okay. He said, and he gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then... Hast thou beguiled me? And Laman said, It must not be done so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet another seven years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. Now can you imagine the shock that Jacob must have felt when in the morning after his wedding he wakes up and finds out this isn't the woman I married? This is a totally different person here. What in the world happened? And then Laban kind of switches a bargain around on him. He's like, you got to work another seven years for her. So you know, Jacob's got to be sitting there thinking, why? Why me? Why do I have to work so hard for the love of my life? Why do I have to struggle so hard to find the person that I want to marry? And I think there's, there can be people at times, that, and there are going to be times in our lives where we think that sometimes. We struggle with relationships. We're like, why do I have to work so hard to make this relationship work out? Why do I have to struggle so hard to build these relationships? Maybe we're not ready for those. Maybe we're not ready to get married. Maybe God has not brought that person into our lives yet. Maybe we need to mature. Or maybe with friendships, maybe we need to mature in our friendships. Maybe we need to become stronger Christians to influence them. But we see it all worked out for Jacob. And that's the thing we need to realize. Is that it is all going to work out. We may be sitting there questioning, why me? Why am I going through this process? And as we'll see that in the next story, God is going to have us do things we don't want to do. But if we trust in him and don't question him and complain about the process of it, it's all going to work out for our better. Second 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had great deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his lord, saying, Thus, and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes, and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel with me. Now, if you kind of look at what's going on right now in the children of Israel and stuff, Syria is basically an enemy of the children of Israel. They don't like each other at this point. So for Naaman to even come into this, the king of Israel's got to be thinking, oh, they're fixing to attack. They're fixing to come overtake us. So the king of Israel just automatically starts panicking. And Naaman, he's got to be at his last straw to go into his enemies. He's like, well, maybe they can help. Maybe my enemy, the people we, that we will war with, maybe they can heal me. Because as we remember, being a leper back then was almost a death sentence. You were isolated. You couldn't be around anybody. So it was a very serious illness at that time. But notice here what the prophet says, Elijah. And when it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Saying, Why did you get so upset at this? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Elijah could have had the response of the king and been like, we're going to turn him away. He's an enemy. We don't want to help him. But Elijah does as we as Christians should do. He's like, let him come in. Let's see what's going on. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee. And thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God. And struck his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfa rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spake to him and said, My father... If the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man, and his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So, you know, what I find interesting about this is that, you know, Naaman comes before the prophet Elijah, and Elijah tells him, All you have to do. be clean is just go dip yourself in the river Jordan. That's not a hard thing to do. It's an easy commandment to do, but Naaman was mad about it. He didn't want to do it. He's like, why do I have to go dip myself in this dirty river Jordan? Why can't I do one of the cleaner ones? Why can't I go to Abana and Farfa? They're much cleaner rivers. Why, Why did he have to pick this? Or better yet, why didn't he just heal me right here? Why do I have to go do this deed? And I think sometimes in our lives are we not like that. Do we not try to bargain with God or think that we know better than God's plan? Do we not think, well, God, He could just fix this situation right here, right now? I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to do all these extra things. And you know what? He could do that. God has that power and He could. But what would it benefit us? How would we grow in our faith? How would we see the power of God? How could we, as we read earlier, grow in our patience, experience, and hope? So instead, we don't need to ask the question of why. We don't need to question God's plan for us. Because as we see with Naaman, he was healed of his leprosy. As we read the stories earlier, they have all worked out. And it's not the way they wanted it to. And it may not be the way we want it to. But it will work out for us if we stick with God. In Colossians, the third chapter, again, verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are thankful in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Do we do that in our lives? Do we give thanks to God for everything? Not just in the good things, not just when things are going for us, do we thank God, oh, thank you so much for all these good things you provided for me? Or do we stick by God when things are going rough, when things aren't going our way? Do we continually sing praises to God? Do we continually pray to God and rely on him through the bad times? That's what we should be doing. It's going to make our life much easier. You know, I truly feel sorry for people in this life that don't profess God. And when they're going through a hard time, who do they lean on? They can't have anybody to lean on. God is our only saving grace in this life. And we need to remember that when we begin to question the why. In 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter, beginning reading in verse 30, and kind of the backstory on this story, this is after David has slain Goliath. This is after... Saul has taken David in as kind of a son, if you think about it. And they've gone to war together. David has um, been promoted very highly in Israel. And as we remember, as they're coming back from battle, it says the children of Israel sing in the song that Saul has slain thousands and David has slain ten thousands. And immediately, Saul's anger is just kindled. His jealousy just overtakes him. And it has already occurred here that Saul and David were sitting amongst each other. And Saul got so mad at David that he threw a spear at him to kill him. So David at this point has gone to Jonathan he's like, I I don't think I can stick around here anymore. I think my life is in danger of being killed by Saul. And Jonathan, as we remember, Jonathan and David were very close like brothers. And Jonathan said, let me bring um, you up to my dad and see how he takes it. See how the conversation goes. And basically what was going to happen was David was hiding out, and Jonathan said, if my father likes you, if he says you can come back, I'll shoot an arrow right next to, um, they call him a lad, but basically his uh, arrow gatherer. But if Saul doesn't want you back, if Saul still hates you, I'll shoot it over um, my arrow gatherer. And then you'll know it's not safe for you to return. In First Samuel, the 20 chapter, begin ver- reading in verse 30, it says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion, and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now, send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father, and said to him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? What wrong has he done in your eyes? And Saul, Saul, so angry at this point, cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did not eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. So we see here that Saul, just at the mentioning of David being brought up in this conversation, gets so angry that he almost kills his only son, Jonathan. As we've said earlier, Jonathan and David were very close. So you know, this had to make Jonathan very sad. We skip forward to verse 41. It says, and as soon as the lad was gone, and this is after he had shot the arrows past the lad, it says, David arose out of the place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times, and they kissed one another, and wept one, another with, wept one with another, until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, forasmuch as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and behold, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city." So this is a very sad thing here for Jonathan and David. They would never see each other again. As we remember, Jonathan dies in battle years later. But you've got to be thinking for David, he's like, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go on the run? And as you can read in Psalms, a lot of the Psalms that he wrote, he kind of asks that question many times. He's like, why am I struggling with this? Why, after I've done these great things, after I slay Goliath when no, no other man could or would... When I've gone to battle and risked my life for this kingdom, for my king Saul, why does he hate me? Why does he hate me for what I'm doing? I think Matthew 10, verse 34 kind of sums this up very well. It says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. This is Jesus talking. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You know, there are going to be times in our lives where we're going to have friendships with family, with friends, where we're going to have to make a decision, where we're either going to, have to choose God or that relationship. You know, I've had friends that I've lost relationships with because faith has gotten in the way. Not that I push them away, not that they push me away, but we live different lifestyles that don't coincide. And those are hard decisions when the Bible, or when f- our faith can divide us from the world. But you know, the thing we have to remi- remind ourselves, though, is that we didn't come to become friends with everybody. We didn't come to fit in with those of the world. That is not our purpose on this life. It's not our purpose to be popular with the world. Our purpose is to bring those to Christ and to do what God says. And it's a hard path to walk down. We look outside, we see the way the world is, we see the way the world's going, and we really are the minority the way we live our lives. Friends of mine can't believe that I don't go out and party, that I, you know, that I don't live a ruckus and rebellious life. But that's the way it is when we're a Christian. We have to be separate and apart from the world. In Genesis 37, chapter, beginning verse 23, I think one of the saddest stories in the Bible, the older I've gotten, I see kind of how sad this story is, but it talks about Joseph here. As we remember, Joseph was blessed. He was favored by his father, Jacob. But his brothers hated him. Absolutely hated him. Were jealous of him. And it didn't help that Joseph had a dream and he basically said in that dream, I will roll, rule over all, all of you. Talking to his brothers. That didn't help the situation. But his brothers hated him so much that as we read here in verse 23, it says, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes, and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, "'What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood?' Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. They sold him for twenty pieces of silver. You know, I've made my sister mad in the past, but thankfully I've never made her so mad that she would sell me for twenty pieces of silver. But how sad is that? That Joseph is just going through his daily life, just trying to be the brother that he is, just doing the things, and his brothers hated him for it. You know, Joseph's got to be sitting there thinking, why? Why me? Why do I have to go through all this pain, this torment? Why am I hated of my family? Like we talked about earlier, when we are separated apart from the world, that is going to happen when we stand up for what God says and for what is right, we will be hated by the world. As we remember, skipping to chapter 39 in Genesis, that Joseph gets to Potiphar's house and he takes up with Potiphar. He takes up with him and he raises to a um, high stature with him and he's well liked. But then we see as it comes to pass that Potiphar's wife wishes to lay with Joseph, wishes to commit adultery with him. And Joseph would not do it. He did what was right, he stood up for God, he stood up for what was right, and would not do that act. But look what happened here to Joseph, and he said, And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, this is talking about Potiphar here, which she spake in him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So we see Joseph. He finally recovers from being sold into slavery. He's finally getting a... His footing in the world. He's like, I am finally have kind of fixed my life, turned my life around, everything's going good. Then this happens, and you know, Joseph's got to be thinking there, okay, I've already gone through this terrible thing. I've already been sold by my brothers. And now why am I going through this again? When I stand up for God, you know, Joseph's got to be thinking, bad things happen to me. He said, I'm trying to stand up for what's right. I'm trying to do what I've been commanded to do by God. And these things keep happening. But God saw him through every one of them. Notice that. It says that he took up with the keeper of the prison. He became favorable in his sight. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And the Lord will be with us when we go through tough times. So when we go through tough times, don't question the why. Just know that God has our backs. That God is going to be there for us. The last verse I want to read is in Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning verse 10. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely and for my my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know, I look at it this way. If we are being persecuted in some way or hated by people for the way we live our lives or what we believe, then we are doing something right. Then we are following after God's statutes. Not that we should purposely go out of our way to make someone angry, but we need to continue to live our lives and be separate and apart from the world. When people tell us that we're peculiar, that we're odd for our beliefs, that's a good thing. That means that we're separate apart from the world. That means that we're living the Christian life that we need to. One last question I want to pose to you all before we close. You know, I've lived such a blessed life. I've lived such a, like I said, a blessed life and have been blessed so many things in my family, in my faith. Have we ever sat back and just thought, why me? Why am I so blessed? Why was I chosen? To be be born in, one, the United States. Two, to be born in a family that worships God. To be blessed with everything I had. So maybe this is a question we need to begin to ask, is why am I so blessed? Why has God blessed me the way he has? Because he truly has in every one of us. He has tremendously blessed us. And he will continue to do that if we stick to him and follow his plan.